everybody, and welcome to a brand new year of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series, GFX cameras, and the photographers who love to use them. I'm your host, Mark Sadowski, and this is all possible because of Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com, and there you're going to find some great articles on all things Fujifilm related, uh, whether it's gear reviews, awesome articles by photographers, and you're just going to get some really epic photos in the process too. So a little something for everybody. Head on over to fujilove.com, subscribe today, and it's just going to make your 2021 a whole lot brighter because we really need brightness right now. <laughs> um, that aside, uh, I just wanted to say that I am really excited for, for this year. Uh, we have uh, a huge lineup of great photographers that we're going to interview. And I'm, I'm just really, really excited. Uh, 2020, granted, had some bumps in the road. <clears throat> But, you know, we had some great interviews. We There were some great photographers that uh, we, we got to talk to. I mean, I, I got to talk to one of my idols, Pete Souza. Uh, we got to talk to the F4 crew. They were so much fun and funny to talk to. Kevin Mullins, he is just amazing. And, and we ended it all with Valerie Jardin. And I mean, it was just an epic year for talking to really talented photographers. And this year is no exception. My guest this week is Darren Goldstein. He is an amazing photographer in Canada. And he has probably one of the most exciting jobs a photographer could possibly have in the movie business. And... With that said, I wanted to throw a caveat in here that my main audio recorder failed on me during this interview. However, I had two other backups that were recording, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the separate audio tracks that I normally get. Instead, it was one audio track, and this was... I might be a little bit louder than normal. So I apologize for that. I, I don't need to be any louder or talk any longer than I absolutely need to. But um, I, I wanted to just throw in that caveat in there. So my apologies. I'm aware of that uh, and, and have already resolved this issue for future uh, podcast recordings. And as a side note, I'm also getting a new microphone, too, because that's needed, too. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, without further ado, let's go right into the interview because Darren and I we were able to talk for a long time and it was just amazing. So let's go right into it. Joining me this week is Darren Goldstein. Darren is a Canadian-based photographer and he has one of the coolest jobs, I think, uh, of any photography prof uh, profession. He is a photography stills unit photographer. Uh, did, did I get that right, <laughs> Darren? Yep, unit, yep, unit stills photographer, yep. Right on. Uh, Darren, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. And oh, 
Thank, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited to be on. Awesome. And I got to say, when uh, we reached out to you to, uh, to, to chat, I mean, I'm just going through your portfolio and you have like the coolest job. <laughs> you have met so many awesome uh, celebrities. Uh, you have worked on so many really interesting productions and you also met the prime minister of Canada. Uh, you actually have, I've had the honor of uh, photographing uh, quite a few of the last few standing prime ministers. So I've uh, been really lucky. That is awesome. I, I, I like Trudeau. He, he looks like a cool cat. Especially these <laughs> days, he's been looking pretty good. <laughs> we can get into that later, maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a touchy subject, uh, at, even at the time of recording. But Darren, uh, so I'm, I want to see how uh, you have incorporated the, the Fujifilm camera lineup into your line of work. Because this is, this is serious, hardcore stuff. That, that you're doing. So for, for those that don't know, what is a unit stills uh, photographer? Great question. Um, it's um, so a stills, a unit stills photographer is basically there to cover uh, photographs of, of TV and film scenes that are being, um, that are being uh, shot for, for the show or for the movie. Um, those photos are typically used for uh, publicity for any kind of, um, uh, marketing for the films and uh, we're kind of a lot of times like a fly on a wall I mean maybe if you're doing your job job well you're like a fly on the wall and uh, you're kind of piggybacking off of the main units uh, that are shooting so it's an interesting job um, sometimes you you know you, you you see a great shot you want to get and you may not be able to get it so you kind of have to think on your toes and think of other ways to get a, another great shot out of that scene because you might have the main camera the a camera or even the b camera in your way to get that that one magical shot that you want to get but but in a nutshell that's that's kind of what you're doing is uh is getting uh photog uh photographs of of the scenes that are being photographed for marketing and with so what what is your uh, camera of choice and, and lens of choice when you're doing something like this? Because you, as you mentioned, you have to be uh, positioned within certain uh, parameters, uh, the, the restrictions of where the, the main cameras are. Uh, what What is it that you use to help you uh, with, with the photography that you need to do? Uh, well, uh, currently I'm using the uh, X-H1. That's kind of my main go-to. Uh, I love, I just love that camera. That's a great um, camera. It's it's great for, a lot of the times we're shooting in some pretty low light situations. So that's where it really comes in handy. Uh, my second camera is an X-T2, uh, which I've had for quite a while. And um, so I'll kind of have a, I'll have both, both cameras off my shoulders and uh, I'm, sometimes switching back and forth between the two of them seamlessly. And, and even when I'm editing photos later on, I sometimes can't even tell which, which camera I've been shooting on. Um, as far as lenses goes, it's, I have, I have a bit of a lineup of lenses and I, I do try to change it up to get a lot of different um, focal lengths for each scene that I'm covering. So I can get some wides, some tights, some, some mediums. Um, typically I'll start off with um Maybe on one camera, something a little safer. So like maybe the 16 to 55, 2.8. Yeah. And um, I'll use that just to make sure I can get, you know, 
I can get all those those things I just mentioned, the wides and a bit of a, a tighter shot. And then on my other camera, I might have something a little more creative. Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite lenses to use would be the 56 one two. I, I, I absolutely love that lens. It's just it's so sharp and just so clean looking. Uh, I really, really like it. I wish it was a little less noisy for some of these scenes. Um, a lot of times I'll be uh, focusing with it and uh, I'll see the sound man with it holding his boom kind of shoot his head and give me a look towards my direction because uh, I feel like you know, the motor in that lens, he's, he's, he's catching it. So sound is a, a big a big issue, which oddly enough is, is how I got into the Fuji system in the first place when I, when I started shooting on sets. Um, I don't know if we want to get into that now, but... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, so what was... So prior to this, you know, b before we started recording, you mentioned that you were a Canon shooter. Um, but uh, what is it about the Fuji system that allowed you to to uh, help you with uh, your career? Well, uh, what had happened was I was, you know, before I, I got really invested into this world of unit photography, I was like a lot of photographers doing a bunch of different things. I was shooting weddings, portraits, corporate events, um, a, a mix of a lot of different things. And I was shooting with Canons and, and those were, I mean, I've, I've gone through so many different Canon bodies, 1Ds, 1DXs, 5Ds, all, all that stuff. And I yeah. absolutely love them. And uh, when I started doing some television work, which I kind of just fell into, um, I, would, uh, I would have to bring a blimp, which is essentially like a massive, think of a Pelican case wrapped around your camera is pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, it, it's clunky. It's expensive. It's um, you don't have really access to a lot of your controls. At least this was the the blimp I was using at the time. They've I think they've evolved a little bit. Um, but it got to the point where I kind of started looking at getting a, a new blimp and upgrading. And when I started looking at the price point between getting a new blimp or getting these strange new things called mirrorless cameras that didn't make any sounds, <laughs> it was the writing was on the wall. It was obvious for me. Um, so then I just kind of had to sh you know shop around. And the first camera I got was the X-T1 and I, I tried it and I, uh, I picked it up with, I don't know, three or four lenses at the time. I just wanted to dive right in and I've, I haven't looked back since. And I've since completely migrated away from Canon. I have them I'm staring at my, my 5D3. It's sitting in the corner right now, collecting a little bit of dust. Luckily my daughter gets some, some use out of it. <laughs> um, but um, but for for set work, the the Fuji system has been a godsend for me. It's uh, the silent shutter is was the biggest reason why I got it, and um, it's it's small and light. It's been help. It's you know it's, I'm not carrying around as much weight on my shoulders. Yeah, and and it's when when I really when things really clicked for me to be honest is when I. I actually fully switched over to, to Fuji because there was a long period of time where I was shooting with the 5D on one shoulder and the X-T1 or the X-T2 on another shoulder. And I remember I those only... days with weddings. <laughs> yeah. So now I've, uh, so about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I, I finally picked up the X-H1. And uh, so I was a little late to getting that one, actually. Um, but I did know that a lot of set photographers were using them. And uh, I just, the ergonomics is, is one thing that I just really have gravitated to on that camera they I, I really like the chunky grip it's got a little bit more heft even i don't like it too too small or too light in fact all the cameras i use i always get a, a, a battery grip for them because i actually want that extra weight and that extra balance with some of these lenses so um i feel you there uh that that is something that uh i do with with my gear as as well i um i don't get a battery grip but i do get a l bracket for all of my 
items. I just want that little bit of an extra grip. Uh, and, and of course, a little bit of extra protection. Uh, and yeah. L bracket saved my XT2 <laughs> from total annihilation one uh, yeah. one year. But uh, but that extra grip is 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 really nice. And so, like every camera I'll get, um, will I, I'm always ordering a L bracket with it. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone that route, but I I've just been so used to having the grips. But that's another good alternative to have, actually. A little bit on the cheaper side, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to be honest, the reason why I chose the the Fuji over the Sony because that's those are the two cameras I was looking at at the time when I got the XT1. It was uh, it came down to obviously price, which the, the Fuji was a fair amount cheaper, but it, it mainly came down to lens options because the, at the time the Sony's didn't have a great lens lineup, and I didn't even know or think of like adapting lenses at that time yeah and the fuji lenses were there was a full robust lineup of lenses and they were all really affordable and really sharp and uh and and that's the that's the route i took uh when i first made the switch looking at at your work i mean it is just amazing uh what what you're uh able to do the your photography where, where you, so knowing what you just told me about uh, where you need to be uh, in, in relation to the uh, camera crew, you're getting some really amazing shots. Uh, you're going underneath things. You're going through things. Uh, you have an incredible eye. And for those that are listening to the show, where where can they follow along uh, looking at your work uh, while they listen to this podcast? Yeah, um, everything kind of, goes through my site, which is DSG photo, um, which is just my initials, Darren, Sam, George photo. And uh, those are, that's not my name, obviously, but uh, <laughs> um, everything uh, kind of goes through that portal, if you will. So all my, all my socials can be, uh, can be accessed through there. So that's really the best, best and first place to start. Uh, and that's got a pretty updated um, portfolio of my work of, of all the different things I've, I've been doing over the years. Uh, this was, one of the early COVID projects I did was uh, revamp my portfolio. So I was pretty happy with that and the way it turned out. I am really, really impressed. This is amazing photography. Um, Thank you. So taking a step back, how, how did you get into uh, this kind of photography work? You said you kind of fell into it and you did other kinds uh, prior to this. Like what, what were the circumstances that got you into this cool gig? So I, um, I was uh, working at a relatively dead-end job uh, years ago, and uh, I got a call from one of my close, close friends at the time, and he was a, a PA on a TV show here in Canada, in Toronto. It was, uh, it's a, uh, a talk show, like a late-night talk show, kind of like a David Letterman, Johnny Carson kind of talk show. And uh, their photographer had... As, as he described it, had uh, had quit kind of on the spot, started throwing things, and it was kind of an ugly scene apparently. And they they needed a photographer that day, so they said, "Can you come in?" And I said, "Sure." And I grabbed my my manual focus Nikon film camera at the time because we're talking the late '90s, and um, and I I hustled down with I can't even what, what, I can't even remember what lens I had. It was like a pretty you know, not a telephoto lens, which is something I needed for the job at the time. And I, I came in that night and shot and they asked me to come back uh, for the rest of the week. And then they kept on asking me to stay. And, and four or five seasons later, I stuck with that talk show uh, till it, till it got eventually canceled. 
And that was the first experience of really working with celebrities. Um, we would get all kinds of celebrities on that show on a regular basis. And part of the job was to go down into the green room and photograph these celebrities and, and kind of talk to them a little bit and get some shots of them ahead of time. And then, and then as they were being interviewed on the set. So that was kind of the, the start of everything for me. And uh, it's, it's a hundred percent led back to or led me to where I am now um, through a number of you know, contacts and obviously other jobs and through that that same network i still to this day do work for that network because of my roots with this talk show back then who are you so uh, some of your uh, favorite celebrities in that time because oh, you have a was... lot of celebrities in in the in this talk show portfolio yeah that was um that, that actually goes back a ways so it's, yeah it's almost it, it's almost uh yeah it's hard to even remember but uh, you know they eventually kind of merged into mtv as well. And uh, so kind of I was doing a bunch of similar work for a, a couple different shows um, through the same network. So, um, so I mean, just I, I photographed a young Justin Bieber. Uh, Will Ferrell was on uh, at different times. Um, some, you know, a lot of Canadian icons that, you know, some of these listeners might not be uh, aware of, but uh, a lot of musicians too. And that was, that was some of the fun stuff I got to do was some of the band photography or, or performances because they would really do some cool stuff with the lighting and it was always fun to uh to shoot the bands you know because at the after a little while you're, you're even though it's a, some really important celebrity uh like we said the prime that's when the first time i shot the prime minister was um was on that show and in fact we actually rented uh it's the first time i ever worked with a digital camera they had the prime minister coming on and they wanted to send a photo out uh, digitally on the wire immediately so they they wanted to rent this crazy thing called a digital camera <laughs> and there was the nikon uh the 1d I can't, I can't remember what the model was but it was one of the early nikons and uh it was a big deal you know they it was it was a really big deal with uh our 500 megabyte micro drive in there and, uh, <laughs> i remember those one or two megapixel camera i can't remember what it was <clears> but you know and i had never used one and i had about an hour to learn how to use this camera before the prime minister was going to be on set. And, uh, I remember setting it all up and, and, and looking down at it and, and it wasn't, it, it, I couldn't get the, the aperture to change and I couldn't figure out what to do. And I was panicking and you know, the clock was ticking and I eventually called the rental house that we got the camera from. And, uh, it turns out I, I had to, I didn't know it at the time, but I had to turn my, my lenses to the, uh, to the a aperture to, uh, to allow the digital override of the aperture. Uh, settings which is something i had no idea you had to do until that moment so uh, wow was, you know I, I, I sweat a little bit but we got what we needed and it was a pretty great experience um yeah what but did you think of, what were your first uh thoughts uh, you know after the dust settled in uh you got your shot what so what was uh what was it like back then what what did you past darren think of digital photography as this uh you know, without knowing that the world was going to change on its heels, at least in the photography sense. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, at that time, I don't think I, I was necessarily blown away with it in the sense of like, wow, this is going to be the next big thing and this is going to take over. I mean, I obviously had no idea what was what was ahead. That, that's for sure. I, um, yeah, it's, um, it's hard to believe how far things have come. And I, I even sometimes think about, you know, hearing when, when iPhones were starting to come out and they were talking about that's the end of, you know, photography and no one, you know, everyone's going to be, everyone's got a phone in their pocket. So, you know, the, the job of a, of a photographer is, is done. And, and I didn't, 
you know, it took a little while to realize it, but I, I, cause I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to work through the, you know, progression of digital photography. But I think it, by it, it's, it's, it's increased massively. It's, it's made my career. I mean, digital marketing, social media, all those things have made, have made, uh, my career, um, back yeah, when, it, back when the iPhone four came out, that was in my eyes, that was the turn, real turning point for, uh, portable photography, because that was the, I, I feel that it was the first time that the cell phone camera can compete with a regular camera. And, for a moment, I, w- I was worried. And then when I saw this newfangled thing called Instagram and everybody was taking pictures of their feet, I'm like, all right, I got at least a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's you know, I, I talk about this a lot with people and I say it's the cameras, let them get better. Let, let the iPhones and the Android phones and all the pocket phones and compact cameras, let them all get better because these, these, um, these companies, they still want and need a trained eye behind that camera. So, you know, us as photographers, we may not be walking around with a big, massive, you know, chunky camera at some point, but we still will be photographers in that sense. And and that a trained eye, and you can you could definitely talk to my wife about this because, <laughs> you know, she couldn't take a great picture if it was staring at her, you know, in the face. So it, it does take a trained person to be able to or a skilled person to be able to 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 control that camera. So I, I don't think that we'll ever be in a situation where photographers, quote unquote, will will be replaced. Yeah, knock or, on wood. Or obsolete. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. Exactly. We're not done with 2020 yet. Let's not give it any ideas. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Get to that finish line quick. That's the what what Apple's about to announce in their uh, one more thing uh, event. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this was a great opportunity uh and you were able to make a great career out of being a unit photographer moving forward from there and uh, around this time you were building on your canon uh canon gear and then um so we kind of already covered what what it was like uh switching to fujifilm um you were telling me earlier you got the chance to use the GFX system uh, for the first time in your uh, in your career work. Uh, what was that like, and what were if you can tell us what that project was uh, and, and how this uh, the medium format was able to help sure. you? Well, it's just a um, to go back a little bit. It's actually um, I've used the GFX quite a few times now. Um, oh, okay. Um, it, it's it's been a great process uh getting used to and knowing that system and oddly enough i um i was at my local camera uh house here a camera store here i was coming into what was i think i was coming in to talk to them about renting a long lens for my fuji i was shooting my daughter's um uh dance recitals i do it every year for the company and i wanted something with they were I wanted something with a bit of a longer lens than my, I have a, a, a 40 to, I, I'll be honest with, with, because I come from a full frame world, all of my Fuji lenses, I think of in a full frame format. So when I think of my, my 
my long, I think of it as a 7200 lens. I can't even remember the focal length. On no, I, I, I have that same thing. Like, like uh, my 90 millimeter lens, I'm always uh, calling it my 135. Um, exactly. Like, like I have to mentally uh, make that conversion. It, it, it is old habit that I have to mention both to people. Um, yeah. So, so I have that, I have the, my 7,200 equivalent and, uh, I was looking to get something a little longer or rent something. And it just so happens that the, the Canadian Fuji reps were in the store with, uh, the GFX 100. I think they had just, it had just been announced. It was like a prototype. It wasn't even the final one. And I, you know, they said, here, g- give it a try. And they, in the store, mind you, yeah. but we were holding <laughs> it. We were looking at it. We were talking about it. And I, here I am with the Fuji guys. And uh, there was an, a Fuji ambassador there as well. And we, I was in the store for probably two hours talking shop with these guys. And, um, and they suggested I, you know, give the GFX a try. So, so I guess I can kind of uh, pivot for a second and, in the in the unit photography or the the TV and film photography world, um, you know, there's the unit work which I kind of described. I don't know if I did a great job describing it, but basically, you know, shooting the scenes that are being shot at the same time as the motion cameras are shooting, and then there's another side of it which is uh, a gallery shoot, what they call a gallery shoot, and what that normally would be is um, getting both group and individual shots of all the key actors in the show or in the film on a white seamless backdrop, usually a white seamless backdrop. Sometimes it's on a set or sometimes it's a little different, but a lot of times they want to get uh, key artwork on a white backdrop so that they can cut them out and do heavy, you know, digital work to them and put them in whatever scenes they want. And they just have a, of a bank of clean, high resolution imagery that they can use for any of their needs. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where the GFX really has has kind of played its part in my world and so i've had the we've rented the 50 s i think two or three times and i've been lucky enough to use the gfx 100 uh now twice uh and one of which was literally just two days ago we just wrapped up a tv show that i was working on um and they wanted to do a gallery shoot as well and we uh we just did that two days ago and it was it was the most amazing experience that those gfx cameras are just there's just something special about them and there's, they're just kind of a dream to work with. I mean, aside from the resolution, um, do you feel that there is a, a big difference between uh, working? Like, like, do you feel that your work has changed uh, from using the APSC side to the medium format? I, I know there's going to be a difference in how, um, the, just just the sensor size and uh, depth of field kind of plays in, in, in into that. But like, do you see yourself transitioning more and more and staying within the medium format field, or uh, has the is the APSC side that color science um, still holding strong? That's a that's a that's a, that's a good question. So uh, so part of the when, when I switched from Canon and the, their full frame systems to the Fuji, you know, there was always this, yeah, but kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's not full frame. And it's taken me a really long time to kind of push that aside. And because I really did love, and I still do love the results that the Canon gives me. And when I, when I go back and look through some of the images I have, there's something about that depth of field and those creamy bouquet and all that kind of stuff that I really 
still kind of long for and sometimes feel that the Fuji doesn't give me. Um, but I've also found that I, it's also a certain way to work with your files and a certain way to shoot your files to get better optimal results. And uh, it's taken a bit of time to kind of get there. Um, but there was a time when I, you know, I finally got over the full frame thing. And I, I said, that's when I bought the, the X-H1 last year or two years ago, whatever it was. And, and I said, okay, this is, I'm going to commit to this and I'm fine with this at least for a while. I was, I was kind of waiting to see what Canon was going to do when they came out with their EOS R and it was a little bit of a letdown and I, I could have pulled the trigger on it and said, let's, let's give it a try. But I, at that point I was fully invested in, and loving Fuji and, um, there was there and there still is a time when I, I think about maybe having instead of having an XH1 on one shoulder and a XT3 or four because that's obviously going to be the next you know progression I'll, I'll move to probably um, there's a thought of maybe having an XT4 on one shoulder and a and an F, and a 50 you know S on or or R on my other shoulder um, there there is a lot of thought behind that. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily the need for it at this point in my career in terms of on an everyday basis. And that's why, you know, especially with these jobs, if I can get the, the client to cover the cost of a rental and, I, and if I can explain to them, which is what I do, is explain to them the benefit of having high resolution and, and a diff- bit of a different sensor for these studio shoots that it's going to benefit them. And it does. And they see it. And in fact, the first time we used the GFX for the client I was working with, um, I had the art director, you know, over my shoulder the whole time we were shooting tethered to my computer and they were seeing the images pop up and he just, he was just gushing over them. Cause he's like, we have so many pixels to play with. And this was the 50. And then when they hired me back for another uh, gallery shoot shortly after we were able to get the 100 for that. And he was just in heaven. He said, we can't go back. You know, we just, <laughs> this, this is just, this is just great. And so it's, it sells itself, which is the best part. So it's kind of a win-win. I get to, use these great cameras, I get the client to pay for them. And everybody's happy. I mean, everybody's happy in these situations. So it's, it's, it's just been such a great experience, being able to use them. And, and, you know, as far as bringing them in on a, on a, you know, buying one for myself and using it on a regular basis, I don't know if I'm there yet. But I'm tempted. Um, and there's definitely some, some thought about it. So I mean, in the grand scheme of medium format, they're pretty dirt cheap. Dirt cheap being a relative term. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like, so I I was, I'm still toying with it. Like, and I I pray when things go back to normal with uh, wedding photography, uh, you know, the, the, I also had the chance to uh, use the GFX system uh, early in uh, uh, 2020. 2020 uh and oddly again (laughs) yeah i know it's i I wish it was 2019 um some of my wedding clients party like it's 2019 still um it's um so earlier in the year uh i got to uh work on uh I, i was part of a movie premiere uh for before the show we were uh talking about uh the at the one of the movies that uh, in, a small independent movie that was filmed here in, in New England and uh, Tim Esty, who we had on the show uh, all uh, the, that time, he was a unit photographer for that small movie. But uh, for the premiere, I got to do the video work uh, to kind of document everything that was happening that day. 
and uh, my X-T3 was there to do the video work, but I also had the GFXR at my side just to kind of mm-hmm. sneak some snapshots, and oh my god, like, that that is something else. Like, the amount of detail I was able to get, the low-light performance on it, oh yeah, uh, and everything being handheld uh, awkwardly while I was still filming. <laughs> so, um, it like... You're looking if you're looking at that camera, the GFXR, and, and a decent lens. You're still in Canon price range, like oh, absolutely. So that is super tempting to uh, be able to invest in something like that. Plus, I mean, there's got to be improvements in the horizon. And well, one thing that was really cool. So the first time I I got the fifty, yeah, the fifty S, the S, yeah. Uh, um, so Fuji it was that day. Fuji kind of told me they said we can. Well, maybe I, I don't know if I should be advertising this out here, but Fuji said we can. We have kind of a loaner program. It's kind of a you know a tryout process, and so they they set me up. They showed up with two full size uh, Pelican cases with, I mean, every lens practically in the lineup. Um, the first taste is free. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And so they had the 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 kit, everything everything I needed. But the the coolest part was they also included some adapters and different kinds of adapters to be able to adapt my Canon lenses if I wanted to. And oddly enough, it just happened to be in there. They didn't tell me and I didn't tell them anything, but there was a a Mamiya adapter. And oddly enough, I have an old Mamiya RB system, complete system. I got like, you know, a handful of lenses, all these accessories for it. And it sits and collects dust and it looks all pretty on my, on my shelf here, but I never touch it. And, um, and that was something that was kind of appealing was being able to adapt some of those old lenses to to this 50 or even 100 megapixel body. Um, unfortunately, every time I've I've got my hands on the GFX for these jobs, not every time but one, I've only been able to use it for the shoot itself. And then I've had to return it of either the shoots, but like a full day shoot, and you just come home and you're completely wiped. And the last thing you want to do is, oh, I'm going to go hit the streets now with this camera. So, yeah. Um, so maybe a couple test shots at home, uh, with the kids and then it's off to the shoot and then it goes back into its box and I return it. So there was one time when I guess it was the first time that, that, that Fuji had loaned me this whole complete system and I used it for the job. I needed it. I took it on another, uh, TV shoot, uh, with me, which was, it, it actually yielded some, some interesting, um, results, uh, cause obviously, as I said, shooting on a film set, uh, you got to be dead quiet. So you, I'm using the electronic shutter, you know, 99.7 you know, percent of the time. I'm using that electronic shutter on set, and I was finding, at least with the 50, that the uh, it actually wasn't ideal for set photography with the electronic shutter. There was a lot of rolling shutter kind of, you know, Jello frame um, stills that I was getting out of it, and they were almost unusable. So that was a bit of a letdown for actual set work. Um, but one thing that was really cool is because I wanted to use this this camera as, as much as I possibly could. Uh, it was I think it was around Father's Day, and uh, I had to return the camera. It was a Sunday, and I had to return the camera the next day, and I was kind of done my my job with it. And I decided to um, to set up the camera on my porch of my house. I have kind of a a long rectangular porch and I cleared the porch off and I brought out some lighting equipment and I set the, 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 uh, the camera up and I have my, I live in a pr- pretty amazing, um, small community here, uh, in, 
in Toronto and it's um, it's a very tight community. Everybody kind of knows everybody. There's a big Facebook group and there's lots of interaction and community involvement. And uh, I just posted, I said, I got my camera set up on my porch. If anyone wants to come by for the next two hours, I'll give you, I'll do free portraits. Cause I just, just wanted to use the camera as much as I could while I had it. And, you know, some people came by, had some family members come by and some neighbors come by. And there was a guy, an older gentleman uh, walking down the street and I've lived on the street with this guy for 10 years, 10 plus years. And I've never spoken to him and I stopped him cause he's got such a, uh, an interesting face. And I stopped him. I said, do you want to get a portrait done? And he was like, no, no, no. I said, no, come on. You know, why don't you let, let me take your portrait. And he sat up there and he sat for three minutes and we got some of the most incredible black and white portraits of him. And I guess my whole point was, is that, Every time I've had this, I really haven't been able to play with these 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 GFX cameras. I haven't been able to to try the lens adapters yeah. or, or or take them out into non studio environments. And even though the porch thing was kind of a studio environment, it was something a little bit different. And I was able to play with depth of field a bit and do some really shallow depth of field portraits of these people. And I mean, the one of the one of that guy is is on my site. It's, uh, it's I think it's under the portrait section somewhere. Um, it's an older gentleman with a big long beard, and he's wearing a hat, and it's black and white. And it's yes, just, and that. That 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 image is one of my favorite images, and it was taken with that GFX, and it's just yeah, it's a it's a different experience, it's a different feel, but at the same time, what I love about it is that it it still feels like my Fuji cameras. I know the menu system is in in and out. I know that I can rent it and pick it up and start using it almost right away. And there's the learning curve is 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 practically nothing because I already know the Fuji system inside out. It's so using the same about. language. It it is not. That, that is something that I absolutely adore about the Fuji system is going from camera to camera. You don't have to, uh, although I, I suppose it's kind of like that with uh, uh, other systems as well. I, I don't think I've ever had a tr any kind of trouble with uh, Canon. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, if you're going to switch to a phase or a, or a Hasselblad, I mean, those are standalone systems that, yeah. they, you know, you know, so it's, I love the fact that they do have different sensor sizes in their lineup and, uh, and that you can have all these options. I mean, one thing I know you've talked about a lot with your guests, which is, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but I have never had my hands on an X100 and I hear these amazing things about them. And I, uh, part of me can't wait to get my hands on one. And part of me is kind of afraid to put my hands on one because of the, the amazing things I hear about them. So it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. It'll you know, suck where, you in. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, the X100 is just such a great camera to, to, to carry with you. Like it is, it, it just fits everywhere. It's, um, and you could pull it out so discreetly. Wow. That just came out wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's going in. The, 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 people need a good laugh. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that one. Um, but uh, it, it is just such a it is such a great versatile tool that um, it, it is perfect for any occasion. For example, if it's just uh, family and friends, um, you know, it's great to have just to get those candid moments. Uh, if you're looking to do something serious, uh, it, it's a great camera for that perfect focal length. Um, if you're looking to do something uh, like stay under the radar, like for example, if you're doing a wedding and you're shooting cocktail hour, it's a great camera to kind of 
uh, sneak around with. Uh, it's mm-hmm. and, and then it, it's. I mean, it just fits for all purposes. Uh, in fact, I actually love its macro feature. It's helped me with doing like, you know, on the spot. You know, if I have to do some uh, engagement rings or or wedding ring photos uh, on, on like uh, on flower beds or anything like that, anything creative like yeah. that, the, it, the, the macro feature is just beautiful. It's sharp. Yeah. It's you're getting the bokeh where you want it. I mean, it, it's it's definitely my workhorse camera uh, yeah. th- that I use for weddings now. Uh, high praise. It's interesting. The only time I don't use the uh, X100 is when I, uh, during the ceremony, when uh, I don't necessarily really need that uh photo length um so like i'll i'll transition from uh like typically i'm using the 50 millimeter uh, 50 millimeter equivalent and the 35 millimeter equivalent in the preparation shots and reception shots but when it's time for the ceremony i'm using that 90 millimeter 135 uh that f2 lens god i love that lens um And I'll use my uh, 50 millimeter equivalent uh, as my two uh, focal lengths to play with. And it's it, it's funny that 35. You're talking about the 35 f2. No, 35. Um, I, I switched back to the the 1.4. Oh, interesting. Well, it's funny because when I was shooting on my Canon, one of one of the things that was that was keeping me to the Canon for so long was that I had one of the Sigma Art lenses for my canon i had the 50 mil which i f- just fell in love with that lens and that is I, a I love great lens <laughs> and so a lot of my shots when i was on set i would use the fuji when i was still shooting fuji and canon i would shoot with the fuji uh the xt1 or the xt2 depending on the time and uh that would be my kind of my quote-unquote set um camera and then when we'd have a moment to do setups which is kind of when we say okay stop the photographer gets the floor now and we can maybe recreate an image that I wanted to get, or um, if we just any kind of stand-up shots of, of, of some of the guests. So one of the things I, I've done is worked with the Property Brothers a lot. So a lot of the times there was kind of three aspects to shooting that show. That was it was getting the scenes of them walking through these these renovated homes uh, with the homeowners, and then there was shooting all the interior photos of the afters and befores and afters. And then the last part was also just shooting the the property brothers in different uh, rooms, renovated rooms of these houses. And I would always switch back to the Canon with a 50 mil lens on it, shoot wide open with using the, the, the TV uh, crews lighting. And then I'd add a little bit of a fill light with maybe an on-camera flash, just bounce it off a wall or something. Yeah. And that was my go-to setup with that 50. And then when I'd go around shooting my kids on, on little walks and stuff, I would always grab the Canon and the 50 was just my, it was my go-to and it was really hard to let go of that setup uh, when I switched. And for some reason I never bought the 35 mil um, focal length for the Fuji. I have, you know, I have a couple I have a, you know, a handful of, of lenses for the, for the system. And for some reason I never got the 35 mil and I only picked it up maybe three months ago. And it's, it's, it's like finally completed my, my, you know, my, my focal length, uh, 
trilogy, I guess. Yeah, yeah trilogy, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it, and it's, I keep smacking myself in the head because I'm like, why, why did I wait this long to, to do this? Uh, and I did have to decide between the two different uh, lenses. And I, as I mentioned earlier, that 56 mil lens, which I love so much, my biggest pet peeve about it is it's noisy. And all those older um, lenses have that kind of grinding focusing. And I, I didn't want to have to... Uh, deal with that on a set so that's that was the main reason why i went with the f2 version because i could definitely use an extra couple stops uh on a in, on set if i uh you know if i had the chance but i, I chose uh i chose noise over over half stops i guess but i'm really happy with it I, I really love that lens i kind of regret selling my 56 millimeter lens it, it you can get the 50 mil now <laughs> i i didn't like the 50 mil Really? Yeah, it, it didn't do it for me. Um, I haven't tried it yet. I had it for a little while, and it just, I, I, I didn't feel that connection to it. Um, the, the photos came out okay, and I don't know if it was just me reading too much into it, but uh, I, I, I actually sold that, and uh, I, I've just stuck with the, the 90 millimeter for yeah. for. I haven't used that lens, but the the 56 is it's an interesting lens because I bought it when I got it. I got it with the entire kit when I first got it, and I had never used an 85 mil lens before. And it, it had always been a bit of a strange focal length for me. Um, it was a little too long, but and and but also not long enough. Um, and it was it took a while to really understand how and when to use it. And um, I don't. It's not something. It's not a go-to lens in the sense I'm not using it every day on set, um, but I try to when I can because I know the results. At the end of the day, the end result is I just love it. I have zero complaints about it. But you know, the process itself with that lens is not the. You know, I wouldn't say it's the most fun experience. Like I said, it's it can hunt for focus sometimes. It's yeah. grinding a little bit, that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, it's it's tack sharp, and I love. I just love the the qualities of the the photos that I get with it. I really do. I think for 2021, I am for, for my uh, first wedding, whenever that's going to be, um, or first project, I absolutely want to rent the 50 millimeter F1 lens. Yeah, that looks very tempting, and I've I, I just keep hearing so many people talk about that. Well, that's especially for my situation. That's it's been really tempting because I'm I'm assuming that because I haven't used it yet, but I'm assuming it has the same kind of motor mechanism as these newer lenses. So again, quieter focusing. That right there might be you know enough for me to buy it. Um, considering, you know, one of the things that's happened to me recently um, with the TV and film world here. So I've been working in what they call the non-union world for years. So that's just you know different TV sets. Uh, lifestyle reality shows yeah and then maybe some, some docudrama stuff so a lot of crime reenactment shows i mean a lot of my my kids really don't like my portfolio that much because it scares them <laughs> it's all just bloody scenes of murders and all sorts of gore because that's a lot of the stuff i've worked on and yeah. uh they have a union here so the union here is uh is ayatsi 667 and um to in order to get into the union you need to have experience and you need to have uh, fill you know a certain amount of requirements uh, but that's where you know that, that's kind of like the big leagues for for all, all these tv shows and movies it's it's all they're all union um 
union based. Yeah. And I've been trying to get into the union for a number of years, uh, constantly applying and just no, we don't have, you know, we're not taking new people yet or no, you got to work on your, your this or that. And it was, a you know, every year, year after year, I was trying to get in and it was heartbreaking to be honest. Every time I'd get a, I'd even get, I'd, I'd get clients calling me saying, we want to hire you, but it's a union show. So are you in the union? And I and I'd have to turn down these jobs. So, um, about a year last last August, it got to the point where I was on vacation with my family, and I had to actually drive back into the city for a job for one day. And I was just getting to the job, and my phone rang, and it was the union saying, "You know, congratulations, you're in." It was just completely out of the blue. I had no idea they were even considering me at the time, and and I got in, and it was it was a huge weight off my shoulders. And uh, fast forward a year later, uh, all going through COVID and not working for a, a number of months for the most part, at least not regularly. Um, I put out a, a kind of a cold call to a publicist um, on the show that I just finished. And um, I basically, I just said, hey, I'm, I've been in the union for a little while now. I'd really like to, I saw your show starting up. I really want to come work with you. And, you know, long story short, a week later, they had hired me for the entire season of this this show, which is in its 14th season we just finished uh, shooting the 14th season of a show called murdoch mysteries yeah uh, so um that experience is just i mean it, might, it was my first union experience and um it was it was kind of like okay i've made it i'm here in the big leagues now and and the consistency of work uh, increased the quality of the work increased i mean the quality of the of the crews you're working with everything everything's just on a bigger scale and it just even my, after my first day on set, um, I was editing the photos and, and my sister-in-law was over my shoulder looking at them and she just, she was blown away with them. She's like, those photos look incredible. And, and it was, it was a really great moment. I can't remember why I brought this up. We were talking about something, but, um, you were bragging, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. no, that is, that is amazing because, uh, I don't know what the name of the equivalent, uh, is in the United States. But uh, it's, I, I mean, if just knowing the, those two parallels, that is that is a great feeling to be able to uh, be part of that because it does. It is absolutely opening up new doors for you to uh, explore and, and be able to truly stretch your wings because you, you are given the opportunity to work on these uh, I- incredible projects. So that is... I mean that is awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't offer enough praise. And well, it's also been really. I mean, again, not to not to brag or pat myself on the back, but it's it's. I mean, I was probably one of the first photographers in definitely in Toronto or Ontario to be back at work uh, during COVID. I mean, one the first thing they did was they wanted to get a a photo of the director, you know, wearing his mask and kind of direct. It was actually the main um, the main star of the show Yannick he was directing the first episode and uh so the one of the one of the little side notes they gave me up before my first day was we you know get some extra shots of the director because we want to you know get the word out that you know production is back and up and running and and I didn't really think about it much at the time but you know a couple months in I, I realized there was probably you could count probably on one hand how many union photographers were working at that time that was probably in uh late July early August sometime around then so, so you were kind of, kind of you guys were because you were one of the first. You kind of set the pace for p- perhaps other 
productions to uh, learn from it and do things safely because I would imagine there were uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, safety protocol that you, that you instilled. Absolutely, and 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 there was there was a lot of um, Zoom, you know, kind of town hall meetings leading up to to all this talking about what the procedures would be like, and every, it was constantly changing. Um, you know, there was a lot of hesitation with a lot of productions. Uh, a lot of a lot of them got pushed back, and they still are pushed. And um, I, I've been, you know, so grateful that I've been able to work during this time because I know that you know a lot of my peers, my other photographers I know, have barely worked since March, and it's 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 heartbreaking. Yeah. And uh, to kind I, of I give everybody some context, I, I apologize for interrupting. So at the time of this recording, we're we're in November. Uh, what what is the COVID situation like uh, in there? Uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, the United States seems to be taking up most of the airwaves. So yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Canada's had, for the most part, they've had a good hold on things. It's definitely getting worse. Um, you know, there's 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 uh, warnings of of you know our our health healthcare system getting overloaded and and you know even just in the last 24 48 hours there's been some a lot of pressure from the upper levels of government to to have their provinces kind of get their act together and start putting their foot down before it gets unmanageable so you're also so, seeing a spike in in your numbers absolutely i mean it's nowhere yeah. near what's happening down south but it's 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 getting there but it's strange because it doesn't you kind of walk the streets and you don't you don't really feel it it doesn't feel, I guess we're not in a lockdown, maybe that's why, but like, it doesn't feel like it did back in April or May. It, it feels more, uh, it, it doesn't seem like people are, are, are heeding to much caution. Now, the best thing about being on set is it's probably one of the safer places you could be if you're working right now. I mean, we were, we were getting tested weekly yep. uh, through the production, which is, I mean, just to set your mind at ease, knowing that everybody you're working, everyone you're working around uh, has been tested and that I'm tested and I know that I'm okay. So we've been getting tested every week. Uh, we wear masks and, and even um, face shields, depending on how close we are to the actors. All the rehearsals, everything is done while they're masked. I mean, the crew on that show... Uh, on Murdoch Mysteries was incredible. The whole, all the procedures, I felt so safe every day on set. Um, it, it couldn't have been better. And, and I'll be honest, I worked on some other shows uh, at that same time, uh, bouncing around from a couple different sets, and not all things were created equal. Uh, yeah. So I have to give that crew and, the, and that production company a, a big, you know, pat on the back for uh, for for creating really good, strong. Uh, pr protocols that help keep everyone safe. Awesome. That, that is incredible. And so, uh, I, I'm glad you're uh, able to work. And I'm, I'm so glad that everything is uh, uh, being treated uh, safely in, in your work environment. So that's, that, that's awesome. Um, Darren, man, uh, I'd love to keep uh, chatting more about uh, your career. Uh, we we've only scratched the surface on on uh, your photography and, and uh, your projects, and I haven't even gotten into your Halloween theme stuff because oh, yeah. that looks we gotta, really. We got to cool. plug that. One a little bit. <laughs> um, well, we might have to do that for next Halloween. Yeah. We're we're a little bit late on that one, but um, man, I'd love to have you back on the show to talk more uh about uh shop and 
you know, hey, if uh, there's word on the street that there might be a XH2 upgrade, is that something that you'd be interested in? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, man, well, yeah, you so know, you can tell your Fuji friends to send it my way if they need. To <laughs> there you go. Um, we'll we'll definitely have you back to talk more. Uh, I'd love to. Yeah, man. I, I had a great time chatting with you. Tell the world one more time where they can find you on the web. Sure. They can find all of my work through dsgphoto.com. Uh, once again, dsgphoto. You can reach my Instagram. Um, my don't I'm not really active on Facebook, but my Instagram, even my LinkedIn, just to see. Uh, or sorry, not LinkedIn. My uh, IMDb is listed there. You can see a lot of the stuff I've worked on uh, listed through there. But everything goes through that site, dsgphoto.com. Awesome. Thanks one, one more time, and uh, we'll talk next time. We'll see you soon. Thank you.